good day to you all we are at this time enjoying some good weather here and when i got up in the morning i thought about the areas of the world that are not enjoying this good weather i thought about the us and california and areas in that are uh, in in uh, the us that are suffering from droughts very high temperatures uh, unprecedented uh, unprecedented temperatures in those areas while there are other areas that are suffering from floods so we cannot take the things we have in our life for granted one of the things we tend to take for granted apart from the weather and so many other th- good blessings that we have is our marriages marriages are one of the most important phases in the life of an individual it is because of this that all communities and cultures around the world uh have elaborate wedding celebrations no expense is spared to make the wedding as extravagant as possible weddings are supposed to be memories of a lifetime therefore in this modern age we take videos and audios and that have, that has become an integral part of any wedding these videos and audios are supposed to be go, uh, 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 they're supposed to be watched very often by the couple and relive the enjoyable times they have had in their at their wedding and their marriage every couple that is getting married or most couples that are getting married uh, uh live the romantic experiences they have had to the novels and the movies that they have read and seen in their minds and they expect no problems pain or tears except tears of joy in uh, in their marriages their weddings are expected to be fear and reality free honeymoons also are big business and are usually exotic affairs eventually though honeymoons end and reality sets in most religions teach that marriages are meant to last a lifetime till death does them apart but unfortunately in today's world one in three marriages end in divorce asian countries including india are fast catching up with the world statistics part of the reason is because of the change in norms in the past societal pressures economic dependence and children kept couples together even when their marriages weren't happy or almost falling apart today many have lost confidence in the institution of marriage and prefer to live in with their partners if things get bad separation becomes easier an important factor is forgotten in all this instead of exiting a marriage we hate have we thought of changing the marriage to the one we love think about this it is impossible to get out of a marriage unscathed fixing it is not only easier but healthier few will tell us that if we don't fix what is wrong in our relationship 
exiting will transport our brokenness into the next relationship. God therefore espouses that spouses should stay spouses till death does them apart. The courtship period of a marriage is therefore very important and a time for couples to not only get to know each other but also to identify areas that could cause irreconcilable issues later, possibly bringing an end to the relationship and the marriage. Support from parents in this area can be of immense importance. Every parent wants to see their child happy. They tend to associate marriage with happiness and sometimes a way out of their responsibilities with their children. They often put pressure on their children to marry in haste, only to repent at leisure. No parent who loves their daughter would force her to marry a drunkard, swindler, lazy, unemployed, irresponsible or adulterous man. In the same way, no parent will encourage their son to marry a woman who is a spendthrift, self-centered or promiscuous. Yet one parent shockingly threw caution to the wind and asked one of his prophets to actually marry a prostitute of his choice. Anyone, including this prophet by the name of Hosea, could see that he was setting himself up for marital disaster. No one would have agreed to this proposal, but Hosea did because God was his parent. God wanted Hosea to send a powerful and profound message of a different kind of disaster to Israel that went beyond a broken physical marriage. Let us study this remarkable prophet named Hosea and his message from God, for which he was willing to sacrifice everything, including a happy marriage for God and his people. Hosea means salvation. His book, which is named after him, was written in 715 BC and records events from 753 to 715 BC. Hosea became a prophet in 753 BC when King Zechariah of Israel was killed just six months into his reign. His successor, King Shalom of Israel, was killed in 752 BC, just one year after King Zechariah. Hosea preceded the prophet Micah of Judah, and we will study Micah as we go along with the minor prophets. Uh, uh, and his, his, his ministry began in 742, and Isaiah's ministry began in 740 BC. Hosea began his ministry during the end of the prosperous but morally declining reign of Jeroboam of Israel. The rich upper class was doing well, but they were oppressed or they were oppressing the poor. Jeroboam's reign lasted for 29 years and he was followed, as I mentioned earlier, by King Zechariah and then King Shalom. 
Hosea's prof- Hosea prophesied until the sh- uh, shortly after the fall of Israel in 722 BC. Hosea employed many images from daily life, and we see when we read the Bible that God employs images. He employs uses parables, uses experiences of people, and all kinds of things, symbols, and all kinds of things to teach us throughout all the ages lessons that he wants us to learn. So we find in the book of Hosea, God uh, uh, depicts is depicted as a husband, father, lion, leopard, bear, dew, rain, moth, and many other things. While Israel is pictured as wife, sick person, wine, grapes, early fruit, olive trees, women in childbirth, oven, uh, morning mist, chaff, and smoke. Let us look at the life and the times of Hosea and the difficult position Hosea was asked to put himself into by God. In the life of Hosea, we see God's love for his sinful people and the trauma caused by a failed marriage. God is love. His love is undying and he's willing to do anything possible to make his relationships with others work. Relationships especially with us work works because he looks upon the relationship with us as a marriage relationship. We just heard a short message before this on Zoom about relationships. To God, it's an all-important thing. And so it should be for us. And marriage gives us a very important opportunity to learn about love and relationships. So now let's go to Hosea chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And let us read the sad story of Hosea in some ways, yet the things that God wanted through Hosea to teach the people he loved, Israel. The people he was willing to sacrifice anything, including the love, including the life of one of his prophets, in order to teach them something that they needed to learn. Hosea chapter 1 verses 1 to 11 from the Message Bible. This is God's message to Hosea, son of Bidi. It came to pass during the royal reign of Judah, of Judah's kings, Isaiah, Jotam, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. This was also the time that Jeroboam, son of Joash, was king over Israel. This whole country has become a warehouse. The first time God spoke to Hosea, he said, Bring a ore and marry her. Make this ore the mother of your children. And here's why this whole country has become a warehouse. Unfaithful to me, God. Hosea did it. He picked Gomer, daughter of Dibliam. She got pregnant and gave him a son. Then God told him, name him Jezreel. It won't be long now before I make the people of Israel pay for the massacre at Jezreel. I'll call it quits on the kingdom of Israel. Payday is coming. 
I'm going to chop Israel's bows and arrows into kindling in the valley of Jezreel. Gomer got pregnant again. This time she had a daughter. God told Hosea, name this one no mercy. I'm fed up with Israel. I've run out of mercy. There, are no more for, there is no more forgiveness. Judah is another story. I'll continue having mercy for, on them. I'll save them. I will be their God who saves them. Not their armament or armies, not their horsepower and manpower. After Gomer had weaned no mercy, she got pregnant again and had a son. God said, name him nobody. You've, been, you've become nobodies to me, and I, God, am a nobody to you. But down the road, the population of Israel is going to explode past counting, like sand on the ocean beaches. In the very place where they were once named nobody, they'll be named God's somebody. Everybody in Judah and everybody in Israel will be assembled as one people. They'll choose a single leader. There'll be no stopping them. A great day for Jezreel. God was making Hosea an example of what God was going to do with Israel. He married a prostitute. Many find this shocking that God would actually ask Hosea to marry a, pro a prostitute. They came up with many other reasons, like she was not a prostitute when she married Hosea, and that Hosea being a prophet was of limited means, hence could not provide enough for Gomer. And that's what, why Gomer went after other men. Whatever may have been the cause for Gomer's unfaithfulness, Hosea knew ahead of time that Gomer, his wife, would be unfaithful and that their married life would be a living object lesson of the adulterous northern kingdom of Israel. Hosea married an unfaithful woman to illustrate God's relationship with the unfaithful nation of Israel. We cannot imagine or understand what Hosea went through with his relationship with an unfaithful wife, unless we have been through a similar situation. He wasn't even sure if his children were really his children or someone else's. He gave them sad names for children. He obeyed God in causing, calling his first son Jezreel. Now, we would not know really much about the background of Jezreel. And so we need to know a little bit of that. And I'll give you a little bit of what Jezreel meant. Jezreel was a site of, the, of one of the palaces of King Ahab. And you know, you remember King Ahab? He was the king of Israel. The most, it was one of the most famous of his residents. And it was adjacent to the vineyard of Naboth. And you remember Naboth is mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 1, and how Ahab wanted to take over the vineyard of Naboth and in the end killed Naboth in order to get his vineyard. Ahab's capital was in Samaria. 
After Elijah's victory over the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, he instructed Ahab to return home to Jezreel and inform Jezebel, his wife, about God's miracle on Mount Carmel. Elijah was, however, so pumped up over the victory uh, that he ran all the way from the, from the mount to the palace of the king, 50 kilometers away, to reach there before Ahab. Ahab, for some reason of, of business or whatever, was delayed at the mount. He was eager to give Jezebel the good news of the failure of the false religion she practiced, in the hope that she would change her ways. Now it was good he reached before King Ahab, because if Ahab reached first, Jezebel would have been warned and would probably have had her, her soldiers arrest Elijah and kill him. Elijah had a chance to escape death. The valley of Jezreel was a beautiful place, but it, was, it also had a violent pass. Jehu, a commander of the chariots of Ahab uh, and the chariots of his son, Jehoram overthrew their rule. Jehu carried out a coup against the king and this was encouraged by Elisha, the prophet. Jehoram uh, was put to death and Jezebel was thrown out of a window on the upper floors of the palace to die on the streets and her body eaten by dogs as prophesied. Jezreel was witness of a bloodbath and synonymous to death and destruction. It was here that the dynasty of Ahab and his father Omri ended. Jehu became king. So I just want to tell you a little bit of the, of the background of Jezreel because it does come up in the book of Hosea from time to time. Hosea's second child was a girl who was named No Mercy. This prophecy played out when Israel was, uh, Israel was captured by the Assyrians and the people scattered or taken, uh, taken captive or killed without mercy by the Assyrian army. The people of the Northern Kingdom were integrated with other cultures and races and perished without a trace. They are therefore called the Lost Tribes of Israel. Only the southern kingdom of Judah, even though it went the way of the northern kingdom, were treated differently by God, as indicated in Hosea chapter 1 verse 7, which you just read. The third child of Hosea, a son, was named Nobody, to indicate that he probably was an illegitimate son and a nobody to Hosea, or should have been a nobody to Hosea and God. This was predicted, uh, predicted. This was a prediction of what would happen to the northern kingdom of Israel after it was captured and scattered all over uh, Assyria. This was the strategy used by the Assyrians in all the territories they captured. It was a very effective way to prevent any ethnic group from coming together and organizing a revolt. At the end of this chapter, God promises that the tribes of Israel and Judah will one day be assembled together by God and be called God's somebodies. These people will be a, will not be the, only the uh, physical 
people of Israel or their descendants, but these people will be the spiritual Israel under God. It will include spiritual Israel or sons of Abraham, which we call Christians today. Jezreel will once again become a great nation among all the nations of the world. After her third child, Gomer left Hosea and went after her lovers who promised her all the luxuries of life, something Hosea probably was not able to afford. Hosea chapter 2 verse 5. Such incidents are not uncommon even today. I know a pastor whose wife left him for another. He was working full time for the church. He had what appeared to be a loving family consisting of a wife and two children. The church's income dropped and the pastor was asked to work only part-time for the church. His wife had to get a job to make ends meet. One day when the pastor returned home from looking for another part-time job, he found another man in his house. He was helping the pastor's wife to pack up her and her children's possessions. When he inquired what she was doing, she told him that he was, she was leaving him for another man, along with the children. The man in the house was her fiancé. She told him that a lawyer would get in touch with, her, with him for the divorce. We can't imagine how shocking it must have been for this pastor. He told me that among the many uh, traumatic things he went through, he learned one important lessons, lesson. And the lesson was that we should not take our spouses for granted. Today, few remember the covenant they made to God and their spouse, that they will live with each other and bear each other's burdens in good times and in bad times. One day, Hosea uh, returned home from preaching to be greeted by his children. His wife was nowhere to be found. There was not even a note to say goodbye. Hosea's pain at the loss shows us how, how God felt when Israel and later Judah chose to follow other gods, rejecting him as their God. God vents his pain and distress in Hosea too. I will not go to Hosea, Hosea chapter 2, but you could read this especially from the Message Bible version. Just a warning, some of the phrases used here are shockingly vivid and graphic. The behavior of Hosea's wife was not surprising considering her background. Unfortunately, Hosea's experience is not unique. Even today, many husbands and wives have, have experienced similar, had experiences similar to his. Many husbands and wives uh, have gone through similar difficulties in their lives. It is statistics that have been taken have found that one in three couples interviewed recent, uh, in, in recent times admitted that they have cheated on their husbands or wives, and it is believed that there is a 350% chance of them cheating again 
This kind of cheating is not restricted to physical affairs. Many of us are faithful physically, but not emotionally and financially. Often honesty is not made a part of our marriage relationships. Many do not want to give up their selfish desires for attention, excitement and conquest. Attention leads to affection and affection leads to affairs. Gomer's access to the old life pulled her back to it. The nation of Israel left Egypt for the promised land, but Egypt did not leave them. In their hearts, they longed for the gods of the Egyptians. They missed the old lifestyle, even though it was restrictive. Did they ever consider what would have been their fate if they continued to live as slaves in Egypt? They would have ceased to exist. Pharaoh began by killing their sons at birth. Moses was one of the only escapees. God expects absolute loyalty when he redeemed or saved the people of Egypt from Egypt, the people of Israel from Egypt, he wanted absolute loyalty from Israel. But from the start, Israel was only willing to give God partial loyalty. Let us go on with Hosea chapter 3 verses 1 to 3. Then God ordered me. And this is after Gomer left uh, Hosea. Then God ordered me, start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who is in bed with her latest boyfriend. Your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people. Even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. So Hosea said, I did it. I paid good money to get her back. I, it cost me the price of a slave. Then I told her, from now on, you are living with me. No more worrying, no more sleeping around. You are living with me and I am living with you. We live in a throwaway society. People are constantly looking for something new, for upgrades in phones, appliances, homes, and even spouses. The old is thrown away for something new. Hosea teaches us that even though old may not be what we hoped it would be, it is worth fighting for, especially when it comes to marriages. We can't allow ourselves to believe that new will be more ex exciting than the old. In the case of Hosea, God asked him to go to the slave market and buy Gomer and make her his wife again. I'm sure several thoughts and emotions came into the mind of Hosea. He probably thought, why should I get into the same situation again, this toxic situation again? Was she worth buying? Of course not, but Hosea took it upon himself to do so. He forgave her past and asked her to return 
and turn on a new leaf. It is easy for us to keep scores of past hurts and bring them up from time to time. When this becomes a habit, it leads to tears, pouting, silent treatment, cold shoulder and icy stares. Instead of responding historically and hysterically, we must respond heroically. Too many of us wait for a hero instead of stepping up and being the hero. We can act heroically by overlooking, forgiving, serving, listening, sympathizing, approaching, re-engaging, and communicating with our spouses. The relationship that was worth winning is worth keeping. Unfortunately, Hosea could get Gomer out of the red light district, but could not get the red light district out of Gomer. Gomer was used to associating with the wrong things and the wrong people, instead of associating with a husband, a prophet of God. Relationships are only as secure as the boundaries we have in place. Boundaries are only as strong as the boundary buddies we have in place to make sure that our boundaries are not crossed. Many a spouse due to idleness or isolation have crossed the boundaries for excitement and thrills only to find that these experiences do not last and even backfires. We have the example of David and the bitter lessons that he learned with his, uh, with his love for Bathsheba or with his marriage with Bathsheba. While his army fought at the frontier, he sat around idle and in isolation. This need not have been the case, especially for King David, because he was surrounded by many leaders and wives. Some of his wives, like Abigail, was wise and intelligent. There is only one thing that lasts. It is our relationship with God and Jesus Christ. One thing. Our marriages are meant to last a lifetime. Our, relation, and our marriage and the relationship in marriage is, is meant to last a lifetime. Our relationship with God is meant to last for eternity. God never gives up on a relationship. We should follow his example. I will end with a poem about our marriage with God as it gives us an understanding of how God looks upon our relationship with him and how he looks upon it like a marriage relationship. And it goes like this. As I take your hand in marriage, I want you to understand my love for you is unconditional on the solid rock you stand. Let me be the one you depend upon each day. Trust my wisdom and my strength. As a wedded couple, couple you'll now pray. Keep your eyes clear and focused upon the finish line. Simply look to me for guidance and stay connected to the wine. Live committed and unselfishly. 
give everything you can live your life for others and simply follow my commands i'll take your hand in marriage and vow to give my best if you'll promise to seek and trust me i promise you'll be blessed love god and this was written by a poet named lisa s stature we will continue with this amazing book of hosea the next week let us bear in mind as we go to the book of hosea that we don't deserve god and he does not deserve us he deserves better yet he loves us as a husband should love his wife are we doing anything to reciprocate this boy hits in prayer our loving god our father in heaven whose love is without measure we don't deserve you father but you have chosen us you have given us a potential and an, op- and an opportunity that is going to last for all eternity you blessed us and you protected us and you have taken us on this path and will take us on this path that you've chosen for us till the end of our lives the question father that we have for ourselves is will we follow the path that you choose for us will we go in the direction that you choose us to go that is the difficult question because we are wayward individuals we tend to get distracted very easily and go the wrong way putting other things before you in our lives how many times you already done that and yet you've been patient towards us you never given up on us even though that's what we deserve we ask you father to help us to always stay loyal and close to you in everything that we do in our lives because we know that our future our purpose the very purpose of life that you given us depends on that attitude and approach that our purpose in life is to eventually be with you in your kingdom our purpose in life is to have a relationship with you that will grow without measure we thank you father for the things that you are teaching us on a day to day basis and the times we have together in studying your word every week and understanding what you are trying to teach us in this study of the bible we have learned a lot about your nature and we've learned what we should do in trying to imitate your nature in our lives and letting your nature become our nature as we go along in life help us in that process father and we we know that you already are helping us and we ask you to continue to do so and to guide us in everything that we do in our lives father because we want to be with you we want to love you as you love us and we do not want to be distracted by the things of this world yet as human beings we continue for uh, continue to fall uh, behind in what we should be doing help us and guide us father in all that we do and we thank you once again for this opportunity for all of us to be able to come together in worship in praise of you 
and in acknowledging the things that you've done in our lives. Be with us always, Father, and guide us in every way, and pick us up when we fall, and teach us what we need to learn. Thank you for all that you've done, Father. Thank you especially for the study of the book of Hosea. And when we look at the shocking things that Hosea did and the sacrifices he went through, we learn how we should be willing to also sacrifice for our families, for our marriages, and for the things we need to do for each other. We thank you once again for everything you're teaching us, Father. We thank you for your blessings. And we ask all this in Jesus' holy and most blessed name. Amen.